podcast expert we have with us today. We're very pleased to have uh, Dr. Loretta Lacco. She's the Assistant uh, Professor of Cell Biology Research at the Department of Medicine and the Core um, Managing Director at H for HTOC. And uh, she's got the Research Dean's Office appointment at Weill Cornell Medicine in New York City. We're also um, pleased to have uh, Dr. Joe Zhu. He's Associate Professor, Division of Regenerative Medicine, Department of Medicine, and he's the Director of HTOC, which you can see here is the Human Therapeutic Organoid Core, uh, also Research Dean's Office at Weill Cornell. Um, I'm going to uh, just introduce a little bit about um, this uh, new core facility. It's pretty fabulous. Uh, it's, it's just a few months old. And um, this uh, HTOC facility serves as a central facility for human organoid technology to accelerate organoid-based scientific discovery. Organoids obviously are mini organs in a dish made up of cells that self-organize and can more accurately recapitulate human biology. Human organoid technology has risen as one of the best models to study human development and disease. And this core facility will provide human pluripotent stem cells or HPSCs derived as well as primary tissue derived organ organoids uh, as a fee for service. Central facility is going to um, overcome the technical challenges of quality control and reproducibility often encountered when using organoid technologies. These organoids hold great promise to revolutionize scientific discovery in healthcare with multimodal potential for new drug development, precision medicine, and regenerative medicine. So HCOC welcomes both internal while Cornell internal uh, users as well as external users and I can't wait to hear more. Um, thank you both uh, very much for joining us and um, yeah, take it away. Wanna say thank you for the opportunity for us to uh, present our newly formed human therapeutic organoid core facility here at Wall Cornell. Um, I will tell you a little bit about our facility and Joe and I are both here to answer any questions at the end. So please feel free to ask. And so just to first introduce what an organoid is, it's a mini organ in a dish, as we all may know. Um, it's made up of different cell types that self-organize into more complex 3D structures that more accurately recapitulate human tissue biology. Um, as mentioned in the introduction, they hold great potential for biomedical applications. They provide a, a tractable model of human physiology that enables the studies of early stages of organ development and disease onset that are often very difficult to perform in human patients. They can play important roles in, uh, in preclinical drug testing, as well as be uh, a more patient-specific platform used for drug development and more precision therapies. And they hold uh, great potential to be transplanted into patients for more regenerative medicine treatment. They can be subdivided into two groups. We have adult stem cell derived organoids and pluripotent stem cell derived organoids. The adult stem cell derived organoids are derived from biopsy or autopsy tissues and are often relatively easy to scale up. However, the access to these uh, tissues are often not accessible to most researchers. The pluripotent stem cell derived organoids are derived from stem cells and they go through a multi-stage differentiation, which often recapitulate fetal development. They can be technically challenging. They uh, often can 
they often are very complex, but they can be derived from patient-specific patient specific cells, and you can derive different types of organoids from the same cell type. Um, so one of the, uh, the benefits of organoid models is that they have been developed for a number of the organs in the human body. So this roadmap here can demonstrate the breadth of which the pluripotent stem cell derived organoids have been developed. And through specific growth factors and signaling pathways, you can derive organoid models from pluripotent stem cells that can represent the brain, the eye, intestine, the gastric tissues, pancreas, liver, among others. And as I mentioned, it can be used for a number of applications from disease modeling and drug screening to regenerative therapy and precision medicine. One of the most important things to take to use organoids as an effective approach for these applications is to provide quality validation, whether that's through uh, immunostaining and histology to mark uh, marker lineage marker expression um, to you. It's important to perform karyotyping analysis to make sure that the genomic stability is there. And it's also important to do in vivo validation in uh, animal models such as the mouse to make sure that our organoids are recapitulating in a more physiological relevant environment. And so for this reason, uh, Joe really spearheaded this formation of the human therapeutic organoid core. And our mission is to become a central facility for human organoid technology and development and application um, in order to accelerate this organoid based scientific discovery uh, to ultimately be used for therapeutic development. The 3D organoids often more accurately recapitulate human physiology than our 2D models. Uh, and we believe this is where the future is going with uh, organoid-based technology. So we began back in September, only a few months ago, uh, and have been slowly building this organoid core and hope to continue to build. Uh, and you can see the website listed below uh, in which you can access all of our services. We have a great team with us at the HTOC and led by uh, Dr. Joe Zell. And we also have an expert imaging tech imaging director in Ryan Schreiner and some tech and some excellent technical team in Ava uh, Clough and Capucine Martin who are the hands at the bench. We are located at Wall Cornell, which is on the Upper East Side of New York City. Uh, and um, we have a number of services that I will briefly go over for you wow. today. These are a lot of services. This is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> great. Yeah. So one of the things that is most important when being able to reproduce quality organoid technology is to use absolutely quality uh, uh, reagents. And so uh, one of the things that we like to do for our community is provide these quality culture reagents specifically for uh, human embryonic stem cell culture. And as we expand, we are going to offer some additional reagents here. And one of the, we offer two types of organoids that I mentioned early, the human tissue derived organoids, as well as the pluripotent stem cell derived organoids. The tissue derived organoids, we are first offering uh, organoids from the gastrointestinal tract. 
we are generating, banking, and distributing these normal human organoids that are derived from the biopsy or autopsy tissues. And I'll go a little more in depth into this in a future slide. For the stem cell-derived organoids, we are generating and distributing human organoids derived from embryonic stem cells uh, and specifically working on stem cell-derived islet organoids as our first uh, offering. Excellent. And once we, that's that's yeah. that's fantastic for this community. Thank you. I think I think it would be a great resource for the, for the community here. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Once we generate our organoids, we do need to analyze them. So one of the things we offer here at the core facility is live and 3D imaging of the organoids. We've made this beautiful 3D model, but we want to analyze it in 3D as well. And so uh, the expert imaging uh, technician that I mentioned, the director, Ryan Schreiner, he runs a great facility here um, with a high-speed confocal as well as a scope that has almost super resolution uh, level of resolution. We also have a wide field automated microscope that has an on-stage incubator. So we can live image um, in X, Y, and Z, uh, any organoids that we have uh, automatically. And uh, one of the other services that we provide is education and consultation. So these are very technically challenging protocols often. And so we consult with the community and offer advice. We offer hands-on training and we hope to offer video uh, training very soon as well for specific organoid technologies and organoid systems. And with all that, as you can imagine, there is a wide breadth of organoid technologies out there. If there are customers with very specific needs, we do offer the option um, for custom design pro projects to work with you specifically on something that you may want that is not listed here. So that's kind of a bespoke service, right? They come to you with their wish list and you develop um, you know, protocols around it, as well as perhaps even be a, you, you conduct it. Correct. Nice. Yes. Yes. So we open uh, uh, all contact and we'll be happy to discuss your needs and what we can do to help that or perform those experiments for you. So just a little bit more about our tissue-derived organoids. This is stemming from uh, Joe's expertise and the gut organoids derived from normal human tissue. Um, as you can see here, we have an example of human organoids derived from the duodenum and the colon on the left A, A panel. And what these organoids can proliferate and be maintained in culture, and they also can differentiate. And so what you see in panel B is a colon organoid cultured in low wind conditions, and it has differentiated into a colon tissue that more accurately represents the, the colon in vivo. And what, as I mentioned before, you need to make sure that you're validating these established uh, um, human tissue derived organoids. So an example here is to look at marker expression. We have uh, stains here for MUF2, a goblet cell marker in the human uh, colon to validate that our human colon organoids express the right marker expression. Another thing that we do here at the core is to look at the viability of these organoids 
and to perform uh, regular mycoplasma testing and create large banks uh, of these these organoids in order to maintain a, a proper quality control. Um, when using the gut organoids, it's absolutely critical to analyze more than one donor. Uh, you're going to get inherent uh, biological variability because they are patient-derived tissues. So it's important to, to analyze multiple donors to make sure that what you're seeing is common uh, amongst all. And the other side of our organoid services are the stem cell derived organoids. This is the example of our first service, which are the stem cell derived islets. And what we are using is this protocol published by the Otonoski lab um, here in Nature Biotechnology in 2022, in which they adapted several of the published uh, seven stage protocols that were widely used. And they um, characterized this heavily against human islets. And what we follow this protocol and what you can see where it says QC, these are the steps at which the core itself does a quality check anal analysis to make sure that our cell-derived islets are following the appropriate differentiation. So this protocol starts in the um, monolayer of human embryonic stem cells and goes through stage-dependent differentiation in which we form definitive endoderm uh, further to the posterior foregut into a pancreatic progenitor stage, at which this time you digest the cells from the monolayer and aggregate them in microwells. And uh, they further differentiate from pancreatic progenitors into a more endocrine progenitor stage. Uh, after a few more days, we transport, we transplant the, we take these endocrine progenitor containing islet aggregates and put them in suspension culture and we shake them. At this time, they are forming more immature as the islets in which they have some polyhormonal containing cells, but over several weeks of culture in the suspension uh, phase, we, these islets mature more um, and the number of polyhormonal cells is reduced. And so what you can see on the bottom panels are some representative morphology of the organoids throughout the differentiation. In panel C, we have the representative stem cell culture uh, prior to starting the differentiation. And panel D, you can see the aggregates of pancreatic progenitors forming uh, as they differentiate into the endocrine progenitors. And E and F, you have stage seven SD islets in which we have so a phase contrast image and um, a live GFP fluorescence of the MEL1 ESC line in which uh, GFP is driven by the insulin promoter. And so you can see we have a number of GFP positive, uh, insulin positive cells live in our SC islets at that stage. And uh, as I keep mentioning, the quality control is absolutely critical for these reproducible uh, organoid technology. And so just to uh, highlight again that we are performing QC steps, um, you have to use quality pluripotent stem cells. So one should um, maintain analysis looking at pluripotency by looking at the morphology, looking using flow cytometry or immunostaining to look at the pluripotency markers. Um, you should be checking your genetic stability by performing karyotyping on your ES cells 
and regularly performing mycoplasma testing. So to look at your definitive endoderm formation, we look at marker expression by flow or immunostaining. Similarly, at the pancreatic progenitor stage, we're looking at marker expression by flow cytometry. Uh, and as we are in stage seven, we continually analyze marker expression as well as their functional abilities by performing so static GISIS. And so this is just an example of some of the data of those QC steps. We have the definitive endoderm stage in panel A, uh, in which we're looking at SOX17 and FOXA2 marker expression, as well as uh, the pancreatic progenitor stage four immunostaining for PDX1 and NKX6.1 in our differentiation. And in panel C, you can see an early stage SC islet in which we have uh, some confocal imaging of um, our SC islets stand for insulin and glucagon. And you do see some polyhormonal cells at this early stage, but as you can see in uh, panel E, over time that percentage of polyhormonal cells goes down from about 15% uh, down to about 3% while maintaining an approximate 40% uh, beta cells in our SC islets. And we also have functional static GSIS in which these islets are uh, sensing glucose and secreting insulin. And just to give some examples of how we can use these SC islets and how some of our collaborators have already started to use these SC islets, um, as we've already gone over looking at the viability, morphology, and function um, of these uh, islets, you can assess uh, the effects of genetic manipulation, looking at isogenic lines for the, the stem cell manipulated stem cell lines. You can look at fluorescent reporters of your uh, gene of interest. You can isolate the beta cells and perform biochemical assays and electrophysiological assays. Uh, a lot of these applications, we also work in concert with other cores here at Wild Cornell. Um, furthermore, and what we're looking, we're beginning to establish within our core is a chemical screen or drug screening model with our automated wide field microscopy. And ultimately to, uh, to enhance these SC islets, we will look at different organoid to organoid interactions, as well as uh, trying to better these SC islets for, for future purposes. Uh, and I, I don't think I need to tell this community about the benefits of uh, transplanting the SC islets into the mice to see how they are maturing and what functionally they can do in different uh, disease models. Uh, just a quick mention of some of the 3D uh, imaging technology run by Ryan here. Uh, we have an EVOS M7000 that has an on-stage incubator in which we are doing uh, automated live and 3D imaging um, kind of on a, a mid-scale. Uh, hopefully, I will get back into that. We're starting to establish some drug screening, about 2,000 compounds or so. Um, and we have some really beautiful microscopes here in NL5 swept field microconfocal, as well as the RCM 2.5, which can provide very high resolution, almost to super resolution level, uh, without that extra cost of being a super resolution microscope. Um, any inquiries about the imaging can go uh, directly to Ryan. I can 
also um, connect you to him uh, for specifics on what that can do. Now, organoids are an amazing tool, but they do have their limitations. There is significant challenges in the quality control and reproducibility. As you heard, I was really hounding on doing all the QC steps from beginning to end of a differentiation and maintaining quality cell banks. Um, and so uh, they're technically challenging. You'll need specialized ex expertise um, and also the IRB approval and clinical coordination needed for primary tissue uh, acquisition. And they're not cheap. The, uh, the, the, the materials that are needed to perform the organoid cultures are very expensive uh, to maintain and to scale up. And um, sometimes uh, these organoids also do not fully recapitulate the organs in vivo. It's a better model, but we are not fully there yet. So uh, there are certain cell types that govern normal function or uh, like such as endothelial, like the blood supply or an immune system that we are hoping to adapt uh, to better these organoids. Um, so one of the reasons we formed this core facility is to help overcome some of these limitations. Our centralized facility really ensures that reproducibility and consistency. Um, we have standard operating procedures and quality control steps that are often um, uh, skipped or are a bit more lackadaisical or can get lost upon uh, postdocs and, and students leaving a lab. And we're hoping to scale up to more large scale uh, manufacturing of these organoids. Just uh, a quick final uh, recapitulation of the different quality controls the core offers is using those high quality reagents. We have highly trained personnel that um, can perform these technical challenging uh, protocols. And it's critical to do a cell of proper cell bank. And what I've shown here, Y-Cell has a great resource for uh, examining a, a master cell bank and a working cell bank for your stem cells, for your primary tissue-derived cells, in which you have seed vials that you create a master bank in which uh, hopefully is done by the same person on the same day, all the cells are pulled together. And so each vial will be representative of the entire bank that you have. And for emergency situations, it is a great idea to have a working cell bank derived from one of those master cell banks, which you perform all the QC checks on once you create a new working cell bank, and that these banks are stored in different locations because things happen, freezers break, thing, you know, so you want to create uh, every backup that you can and to ensure these quality control. You want to regularly test your pluripotent stem cells. You want to analyze multiple tissue donors, and you really want to do consistent QC steps throughout your differentiation. So uh, I hope I've, I've presented to you that as the central facility, we are trying. We have uh, taken steps to really uh, assess those reproducibility and quality control steps. Um, one of the things, additional things that we are trying within the core in our future is to add those additional components such as the vascular system or the immune system uh, to try to create a more uh, accurate 3D model of human physiology. 
Um, what is in process at the moment is to create some different uh, organoid types. We are very focused on the gut and SDI islets at this time, but we have uh, in process uh, coal H stem cell derived colon and liver organoids that we hope will be a very good resource for the community. Um, as well as I mentioned a little bit about the chemical and drug screens, these, these small, small mid-scale libraries that are about under 2,000 compounds doing um, some image-based screening for these organoids. And finally, uh, stemming a bit from Joe's expertise is uh, he recently published in Cell Stem Cell and Cell Protocols is uh, a uh, model to do to use genome editing and CRISPR-Cas9 technology in the human tissue-derived organoids, as well uh, as the classical uh, CRISPR-Cas9 isogenic pluripotent stem cell line technologies. So we hope to offer those services uh, in the near future. And with that, I just want to thank, uh, give a special Thank you to Ava and Kepucine who do a lot of the hands-on work within the lab um, and Joe and Ryan, which have been excellent experts um, and resources for the core to get off the ground. And I want to thank you for the opportunity to talk and everybody for listening. And we, I, Joe and I would love to discuss how uh, any questions that anyone may have or how we can help in the future. Fantastic. This is just such a beautiful resource. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Hi, Alberto. Hi, Monica. Really very nice, interesting presentation. Well done. Um, my question, since I do mostly diabetes, diabetes issues, is uh, I'm sure you are aware that the Vertex company in Boston uh, with the help of uh, Doug Melton is now making uh, cells that are good enough to be transplanted into people. Now you realize Vertex is a multi-billion corporation. So uh, if they were to say, we're gonna give eyelids to everybody, then uh, it would be wonderful to have access to them. But my question is, you think it could be possible to compare the Vertex eyelids and the eyelids that you generate for your organoids both from the functional, functional point of view and after transplantation into mice or something like that. And yeah, and if so, I, I don't know if that would be interesting, but it would be wonderful to do uh, sequencing and studies of the cell lines produced by islands uh, from different labs, because right now we, I don't know, we might have 10, 12 good protocols that leading to islets and uh, it seems that the vertex is probably the most appropriate, but I, I don't know how this issue is going to be resolved. Like, you know, people in Canada, they still have their own variation of the protocol. I don't know, you're going to need like artificial intelligence one day to put all these protocols and sort out the best one and the most effective one. So that, that, that is, you think that uh, vertex will be amenable to this type of comparisons of uh, islands? Yeah, I think that's a great question, and that would be a tremendous resource for the community to have a systematic comparison of the different protocols. We have not done that at this time, and I don't, I 
don't uh, think that Vertex will share the SDI list. I'm not sure. Maybe Joe <laughs> can elaborate a bit on that. <laughs> yeah. um, that would be a, a really good way. We would love to do that. But yeah. 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 So Alberto, just follow up on that. Actually, interestingly, I just got back from a meeting from Boston last week where it's uh -huh. organized by Vertex and the whole entire topic, uh, and also ID Transplantation Society and the entire topics about stem cell derived edits and Vertex presented their data there, et cetera. And, uh, and uh, Vertex company is very tight uh, with their data. In fact, some of the clinicians uh, one of the organizers at Mass General Hospital, and he is uh, James Markman that actually ran part of the clinical trial. He can't even get data from Vertex. And uh, <laughs> basically, you can forget about it 100%. They're not going to yeah, give okay. any information. Okay. Any, anything that they, they do, how they did it, is a 100% commercial secret. So, and, and, but one thing I can tell you is uh, you're, you're absolutely right that. Uh, um, there are different protocols out there. Um, they all seem to work to some degree, uh, and and and. Uh, uh, but unfortunately, um, not everybody agreed on the protocol. I actually stood up and asked the, exactly the same question. They have a panel of expert. I said, you know, in the last ten years, people developed different protocols. Now, have we come after ten years later? Have we come to a consensus as to which protocol is better? how we can do this in a more consistent way. And the question is, they don't know. And because everyone's still doing their own optimized protocol on their <laughs> own lines. And so each line is a different person and they have a different personality. They need to be you know, nurtured in a specific way. Vertex took one specific line from Doug Melton's lab and really like super optimized it to the point of going to people. But everybody else is doing a smaller operation here, right, in their own laboratory. And so they optimize to some degree and use it. But I think the recent nature about tech technology protocol, the guy who published was over there. I talked to him. He's from uh, one of the, forgot, European countries, Denmark, sorry. <clears throat> and uh, I think that protocol is pretty good, reproducible in your hands. That actually speaks a lot to, because often it's not reproducible. So I think the protocol is, is quite robust. Um, but that's right, right now the best we can do. There's no way for us for us to compare with the you know vertex, but we can compare with published data, right? So it's comparable. Yeah. Well, this is very interesting. I mean, <clears throat> we can see the direct applicability to islet scientists, islet biologists, but also kind of, you know, we wander down the road of the thought experiment and see that there's there's many others who may be able to use um, this really wonderful human therapeutic organoid core based at Wild Cornell. And um, so I, again, I, I thank you, uh, Loretta, and also Joe, this was a really excellent presentation and we look forward to um, you know, our audience um, you know, watching and, and reaching out to you for, for further uh, information and, and collaboration. All right, then. Um, this was great. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day. And we'll, um, we'll be keeping in touch to see how things are progressing, because I'm certain this is going to become just a very important resource. Um, and uh, wishing you all the best. Talk to you later on. Bye-bye. Thank you.